This episode is sponsored by Vision Trust. Vision Trust is an organization that provides essential support in the areas of health, education, and spiritual development to children and adolescents living in poverty around the world. Vision Trust is brimming with female role models who are investing in the next generation of women. Their love is defiant. It stands strong against all odds, and yours can too. Join us in raising up confident young women that embrace their God-given talents to create a better future for us all. Learn more at visiontrust.org forward. This episode is sponsored by Patricia Asp of Aspire. Does your company culture have what it takes to last? After the upheaval of the pandemic, many companies and organizations are struggling to adapt to new regulations, new workflows, and new workplace culture. After witnessing the dramatic weakening in the core values of great companies during mergers, acquisitions, and rapid growth, Patricia Asp, a forward board member and principal, launched Aspire, an organization founded to preserve the goodness in companies by hardwiring culture for sustainability. If you're interested in conducting a culture sustainability assessment, go to patriciaasp.com slash contact dash us. Make 2023 the year your company soars. Welcome back to Work, Love, Pray, Real Talk, Grounded in Truth. I'm Jordan Johnstone. If someone were to ask you who your favorite boss has been, what name would come to mind? Chances are the person you think of is someone who had exponential impact on you, and maybe they didn't realize they had left such a mark. This is the beauty of someone who has harnessed the power of exponential and influential leadership. That level of leadership might sound daunting to you, but believe me, it's an effect that we can all leave behind us in our careers, regardless of the position we held in an organization or the amount of people that we led. This month, I'm joined by Martha Newsom. Martha is the CEO and president of Medical Teams International, a global health and humanitarian organization. As you listen to our conversation, you will hear the joy and genuine heart that Martha has, not just for the communities that Medical Teams assists, but also for the people on her staff that partner with her to have an impact on the hurting parts of the world. Martha is an authentic example of influential and exponential leadership, and I am so grateful that we all get to learn from her this month. Let's jump right into this month's conversation. So Martha, to kick off our conversation, I would love to have you share just a little bit about who you are and how you were introduced to Forward. Oh, thanks, Jordan. And I'm so happy to be joining you today. I am Martha Holly Newsom, the president and CEO of Medical Teams International. And I was introduced to Forward by one of our incredible board members, Reagan Cannon. Um, <laughs> so she kept telling me and our team about this amazing community of women and that I needed to connect. Um, so she made those introductions to Diane. Um, your uh, CEO. I also had some reinforcements though, because I happen to know Trina Lee, who is in charge of the mentorship program, I believe, right in Portland. Mm -hmm. And so we are in a book club. So I was just flanked on all sides by uh, Reagan and Trina and these great women that wanted me to get introduced to this community. Oh, 
That's awesome. Thank you, Trina. <laughs> I know. I know. They are just our little connector. I exactly. Oh my goodness. Is she ever? Oh yeah. Well, and so you are the president and CEO of Medical Teams International and you lead more than 2,500 individuals around the globe. So when you were a little girl, is this what you envisioned your life to be? Oh my, what a question. Um, no, <laughs> not exactly. So I think um, originally my, I'm an army brat. So my dad was a military doctor. He was actually an obstetrician and gynecologist. So we lived in a bunch of different places and I was pretty, pretty happy-go-lucky um, kid. We moved from Hawaii to Massachusetts. Um, oh, wow. And then from Massachusetts to Vermont and, uh, you know, lots of big culture shifts, as you can imagine with that. Um, but really sadly, my dad and I went running when I was 12 and a half and he had a very sudden and fatal heart attack. Um, mm. well, I was with him and I really think that spurred me on in a, in a new way because after he passed away, I really just wanted to um, carry on his legacy. He was a very beloved doctor. So I thought, well, I'm going to become a doctor and really started applying myself in a new way. That took me to Wheaton College um, outside of Chicago because they had such an amazing pre-med program. And, and I was just doing all the things, you know, driven, field hockey, uh, ministry, and then got to my sophomore year in organic. And what they don't tell you is that 50% of all pre-med students drop, you know, after oh, organic. Yeah. So I just struggled, right? It did not like organic and started to have a, a sort of a crisis of what am I, you know, why am I here? Why am I doing this? I um, had wanted to become a missionary doctor. So I started thinking, I'm not even going to get overseas until I'm 35. Um, and I hate organic. So anyway, you know, having just a major meltdown, I just thought I'm going to give it up and I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. And the very next day ran into two, um, fellow friends who said they were on their way to Cameroon, um, with a program at Wheaton called the human needs and global resources program, and that they were going to be joining, uh, North American Baptist missionaries in Cameroon with their public health program. And I, I think I was just too busy. I was like, what's public health, you know, ask some more questions and signed up myself. Um, oh, wow. And that literally uh, led me to, to do that program. And the very next year I went to Cameroon myself and spent six months in three little villages um, wow. that you literally had to trek to get to. And um, I just fell in love with public health. And that was really what um, led me to get my master's in public health and directed me um, for the rest of my career. So it was kind of an about shift, but um, just such a good one because I, I really started to understand that uh, clinical medicine is amazing, right? You get to care for the person in front of you, but public health allows you to save many millions of lives because you're really looking at the health of populations. Um, so that was uh, really what took me into, into my career today. Wow. Now, how have you navigated being a female leader in a male-dominated world? 
Uh, that's a big question as well, yeah. isn't it? Right. I, it's like, where to start? Um, I, there's a one story. I am so incredibly thankful for one of my uh, very beloved colleagues in Mozambique. Um, long story, but uh, because of that start in Cameroon, Marcel and myself and our family, we spent 15 years in Southern Africa and I mm-hmm. uh, went to Mozambique for me to uh, be the health director for World Vision. Um, and while I was there, so I'd been there for two years, um, Argentina, one of my colleagues came and said, you know, the, the staff want you to apply for the national director. I was pretty shocked and had no intention, hadn't seen myself as uh, country director material, so to speak. So first she encouraged me to apply, um, which after praying about it and talking to Marcel, decided to put my name into the hat. But as soon as I had done that, I found out I was pregnant. And so again, was like, oh my goodness, how we already had one child on your eldest. And so this was our second child. And I just thought, this isn't going to work. You know, how am I going to have this major job because that program was huge. It was about $26 million. It had a team of 900. I was 33 years old. Mm. And um, so really thought about it, wrote this really nice email saying, you know, I can't do it, sort of taking my name out of the hat, so to speak. And I didn't realize this, but Argentina ran up to the outgoing country director and said to him, don't, you know, ignore Martha's email. And then she ran down the stairs, came into my office, popped herself in front of me and said, women have babies all the time. You just need to decide what sort of support you need and tell them what you need and put your name back in. And I listened to her. And so I'm so grateful that when she and others, you know, saw leadership potential in me um, that I didn't see in myself. And that as a single mom who had raised her two boys, she was just like, you can do this. You don't have to necessarily um, let you know, your children be a barrier. It's possible to do both. Now, mm-hmm. I know some women make other choices, which um, I totally support, but she was really pivotal, I think, in helping me believe in myself and overcome that that barrier that I thought was was too significant um, for me to move forward with that role. So that's that's one example. I think, you know, throughout my career, there's been others. Um, I spent 21 years with World Vision International. And mm-hmm. as I got to the senior levels, um, often, you know, the numbers were not always balanced of uh, who was in the room, so to speak. And yeah. A couple times, I just found male colleagues that were really sensitive to the power dynamics in the room. And I just remember when I would say something and he would kind of look at me like, and people would ignore, you know, whatever suggestion I was making. And he would kind of look at me and wink and then repeat exactly what I had said um, to make sure (laughs) that it got heard. So, you know, it's Mm. just those allies, right? That, yeah come alongside you and encourage you, um, to, to lean into your leadership and, and not to shy away from what you have to offer. Yeah. Well, and it's the perfect segue into what this month's topic is actually about, which is exponential and influential leadership. And I feel like when you hear that, that leadership, it might feel maybe for some of our listeners, like something that is just 
almost beyond, you know, what they can imagine themselves doing. True. And in order to be a leader that is influential and you're having that exponential impact and growth, do you have to be at a certain level in your career or is this a leadership effect that any professional can have? I love that question because I completely agree that you can have that exponential impact at any level. And in fact, I think um, one of the mentors that I had uh, in my career, so when I moved from Mozambique um, to South Africa and took the Africa HIV director role, I reported in, that was again with World Vision, I reported into the vice president of Africa who was in Kenya. I was in the Johannesburg area, but I had a um, mentor, Ken Casey, and he was the special representative to the president for HIV. And so reported straight into the, to the World Vision International president, but didn't even have a, um, a direct line to me, right? He, he just was trying to spearhead uh, an HIV initiative across World Vision called the HOPE Initiative. And so he just took it upon himself to, to mentor and coach me and set up meetings. I think we met every month, um, if not twice a month. And the first thing he did was like, Martha, you should create a scale-up plan for the whole of Africa. Well, no one had mentioned that. You know, that wasn't even really part of my remit. But I think it was him seeing the big picture and encouraging me to, um, to be visionary and to think about what it would take um, to scale up our work um, across Africa. Because, of course, the impact of HIV was just devastating and it was growing. And so thinking about the millions and millions of orphans and families that had been impacted, you know, it required a big response. And so I think that's just such a good example of using your influence. And I, I've tried to follow in his footsteps, you know, to encourage people to, to not wait for permission, think big, you know, think about the potential to multiply your impact and seek to influence, um, even if you don't have the specific line authority to do that. And I think that's what exponential leadership means, right? It's really trying to dream big, think about the big picture, and not wait for permission uh, to share that and to push for that, um, that picture to be realized. Hmm. I know Forward is actually familiar with World Vision. Um, one of our advisory board members, Steve Haas, uh, was with them. I think he is still with them. But, oh, yeah, awesome. We, I heard that. I heard that. And I, went, I love Steve. <laughs> yes. And he is <laughs> one of those multipliers too. Really yes. big visionary, right? Um, yes. And just such a catalyst and connector. Mm-hmm. Well, and as we mentioned earlier, you are the CEO of Medical Teams International. So how... Did you come into that role and why is it important for you to be with that organization? Um, great question. I, um, so it's a couple, some just very funny stories about how I got here. Um, first of all, in the, my last role in World Vision, we had a partnership with Medical Teams International, oh, okay. which was great because that gave me a front row seat to get to know this organization um, because folks on my team supported the partnership and I got to know um, 
the president that was before me, Jeff Pinio, and their team. So really loved the team. And then um, they hired a recruiter that I knew really well, um, who happens to be the the son of our former pastor in Washington, D.C. And he just approaches recruitment in such a pastoral way. Mm. Um, And so Ewan wrote to me and said, you know, Jeff is leaving. I really think you should apply uh, to the CEO role. And I thought about it and, you know, considered where we were in Washington, D.C. and the fact that that Luke, our youngest son, was a junior and he had been you know, pulled out of school when we brought our kids back from Southern Africa, Mm -hmm. uh, when Anya was 15 and Luke was 12, that was really hard. And Luke, I think had the hardest time adjusting. So I really didn't want to pull him out of school. So I wrote a letter back to you and I was like, so sorry, can't do it. Uh, you know, Luke has to finish school. I can't move to Oregon and gave them all my best contacts, right? Spent a long time on my LinkedIn looking for uh, really good people so that he would feel satisfied that I had helped him. And and so he wrote back a letter, again, just so pastoral and beautiful, like, you know, I'm praying about this and I understand. And and at the very end of the letter, and I'm sure it was just the Holy Spirit that that um, prompted him to to do this, he said, you know, it's really interesting to me that men don't use their families as, as an excuse um, to turn down an opportunity. And I don't think it was quite that strong. I think it was more, mm-hmm. more gracious than I'm even yeah. relaying it here. <laughs> and I was like, huh, what do you mean? <laughs> I'm using my family to um, turn down this opportunity, but it caused me to pause, you know? And, and I thought about it and I was like, he's right. I didn't even consult my family. And so in good public health fashion, I decided to check with them individually, you know, make sure each of their responses was unbiased. And so I started with Anya and she was like, Oh mom, Portland's so cool. You should definitely go for it. (laughs) Went to Marcel. He's Googling, you know, Portland, Oregon. He's like, Oh, I could totally live in Portland. I'm just looking at him like, what? Are you crazy? But of course, he's he's always been that amazing adventurer, right? Um, mm. So supportive. So then I went to Luke and, um, and he's like, no, mom, you should apply. And I just looked at him. I was like, what about you? Yeah. And he's like, I'm sure it will all work out oh. if it's supposed to. And so went back to you and I was like, well, I got to put my name in. Um, and of course it was a long and drawn out process. And, and in fact, another piece of the story unbeknownst to me, but I found out later is that one of our board members was just this incredible businesswoman. Um, she was the president of a national food business, very wise and diplomatic and as the board started working with you in and talking about what kinds of um, criteria they wanted to use uh, for the recruitment, she very thoughtfully said, well, I think she will blah, 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 you know. And then in the midst of the deliberations, I didn't realize this again until later, there were two other men that were finalists alongside me. And apparently she had a very pivotal role in terms of, you know, very diplomatically ensuring that the board um, selected me. And so I'm incredibly grateful. And it shows that we need 
women in these powerful positions, right? We need women on boards and we need uh, uh, just diverse teams uh, to get to diversity in senior leadership. Yeah. Well, and to play off of that, you know, why is it so important to have female leaders that are health advocates in the community? Oh, I'm glad you you asked that second part of the question. I think it's because women understand at a very personal level why health is so important for their families, right? We often are the caregivers of the little ones and the caregivers of the older ones. And in fact, for medical teams, um, a a fact that is not well known is that over 80% of all refugees and displaced are women and children. Mm. And that's because the men often stay behind or like in the case of Ukraine, as we, as we know, you know, they have had to stay and fight. And so for the work that medical teams does, I think it's even more critical that we've got women on staff because the people that we're caring for, many of them are women and children and women, as you um, so rightly asked, you are amazing health advocates for their communities. And we need women to be involved in advocating for health. Thanks so much for joining me for the start of this month's conversation with Martha. Come back in two weeks when we conclude our chat with Martha by hearing more about what Medical Teams International is doing to help bring awareness to issues and crises around the world. Martha also talks about how anyone can be an influential leader and the great need to have leaders like that at every level of an organization. For more information about today's episode, just go to forwardwomen.org podcast. That's the number four, W-O-R-D-W-O-M-E-N dot org slash podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to Work, Love, Pray on your favorite listening platform and leave a review. Your review will help more people discover Work, Love, Pray, so your feedback is greatly appreciated. As you move forward on your journey to work, love, and pray well, don't forget to make time for real talk grounded in truth. If you'd like to experience Forward in a deeper way beyond this podcast, we invite you to check out the Forward Mentor Program. The upcoming fall session is now open for mentees and mentors to sign up. This 10-week program connects Christian women in the workplace with mentors who share their beliefs, and mentor-mentee pairs are handpicked according to the mentee's goals and current hurdles they'd like help getting over. To sign up for the fall session of the Forward Mentor Program, visit www.forwardwomen.org mentor. The deadline to sign up for the fall session is Friday, September 1st. We can't wait to see you in our next mentor program class.